You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's time to talk about the Green Bay Packers. This is your Packers update, the Daily Cheese, brought to you by Packernet.com. The Daily Cheese is a collaboration with the Packernet Podcast, hosted by Ryan Schlipp, the Pack Daddy, and I am your host, JJ Lee. You may have noticed I don't usually do episodes on Monday or Tuesday because we don't usually have any news. However, this is Christmas week, everybody's schedule is off, and that includes mine, so our weekly Han site review with Coach Brian Hahn is getting moved to today. So you get an early preview of the Tennessee Titans. Now, I have some good news. Jamal Williams' injury that forced him to leave the game early doesn't seem to be serious. Additionally, Aaron Jones has been nominated again for FedEx Ground Player of the Week after rushing for 145 yards and a touchdown versus the Panthers. In a game where most of the offense played down, Aaron Jones was a shining star. Please go ahead and vote for him. Head over to NFL.com, and at the top of the page currently, it says vote for the top players of Week 15. Remember to vote for Aaron Jones. The Packers are also the number two odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl, according to Vegas. The New Orleans Saints lost to Kansas City last night, and the Rams bizarrely lost to the New York Jets. This gives Green Bay a comfortable lead in the NFC. They can afford to lose the Tennessee game if they win against the Bears in Week 17. Although the Bears have been heating up recently, they have scored over 30 points in their last three games in a row. Now, keep in mind that does come against the Lions, Texans, and Vikings, who all have terrible defenses. But just four weeks ago, they did lose 25-41 to to the Green Bay Packers. So while you may be nervous, I see this as good news. The Bears are ruining their draft pick further and giving their front office a reason to consider re-signing Mitch Trubisky. The Lions' loss to Houston eliminates them from playoff contention. There are three other NFC teams that have been eliminated so far. That would be the Panthers, Falcons, and 49ers. As you may recall, the Packers have contributed to the elimination of all four of those teams. The Packers could clinch the NFC before Week 17, however, if they beat Tennessee and the Rams beat the Seahawks. The road to the number one seed in the playoffs is actually pretty easy for the Packers. They would have to lose out all their games and either the Saints Rams, or Seahawks would have to win both of their remaining games. Green Bay currently has an 82% chance of getting the number one seed, and if they lose to Tennessee, that number only goes down to 68%. That's because the Tennessee Titans are out of conference. The Bears are in conference. So, what do their odds look like if they happen to lose to the Bears? If they lose to the Bears and beat the Titans, their chance only goes down to 73%. If they completely flop and lose both remaining games, they still have over a 20% chance of getting the number one seed. They still have the highest odds of winning the number one seed of any team, even if the Packers lose out both of their remaining games. Green Bay has not been the number one seed since 2011, when they were knocked out of the playoffs by the wildcard Giants. Not only would they be the only team in the playoffs to receive a first round bye, this could be Rodgers' first ever chance to have home field advantage in the NFC Championship game. Okay, let's look ahead to the Tennessee Titans. I'm with Coach Brian Hahn. Coach, how are you doing today? Oh, fantastic, JJ. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. You and I had a fun morning watching film together, studying for this Titans game. Tell me, what did you see from the Titans offense? What can we expect from them? 
you can see a lot, a lot of running the ball. They'll do a little bit of mixing it up, trying to hit the inside as well as the outside with Derrick Henry. And then once they start to really establish that, Ryan Tannehill does a great job off of play action. And uh, they really set it up well for, for play action stuff. So you have to be very disciplined defensively with your eyes. As long as Tannehill isn't getting the ball out quick and he's not using play action, essentially it just turns into throwing the ball deep to uh, A.J. Brown or Corey Davis. And at times it pans out for him, but again, it's a boomer bust type of strategy. You're just kind of throwing throwing some stuff at the wall. So he's really made a living in Tennessee and, and really come alive and done a really nice job off of play action and quick game. But if if you take those two things away and you force him into a third and long situation, uh, my guess is he's going to struggle. You're an offensive line guy. What did you see from their own line? Um, there are times where they look very, very good. I think their tackles are solid. Both tackles seem to be pretty solid in both the run and pass game. I do honestly believe their interior three struggle in the run game. They don't seem to move laterally very well, especially it sounds weird saying that the offensive line struggles in a Derrick Henry led uh, rush game. But honestly, I, I think they struggle if you ask them to move laterally and you can do that with defensive alignment quite a bit. So look for a lot of that, a lot of shifting around with the defensive line from Mike Pettin this week. You really enjoyed seeing tight end uh, Mecole Pruitt. Uh, I believe he wears number 85. He's a big, violent blocker in the run game. Talk to me about potential uh, dangers there, especially uh, if we're trying to match him up against a corner. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, we watched a couple of clips where he absolutely road graded some of these smaller nickel and dime defenders. So anytime that dude's in the game, you have to make sure that you're you're keeping an eye on him. If you're the nickel that he's lined up closest to, you better get ready to shock and shed and really use your hands. Because if that guy, like a heavyweight boxer, man, if he gets inside on you, it's going to be a long, long day. On the flip side, one of the things that Green Bay could do is go ahead and stay heavy personnel anytime that dude's in the game and just ask Ryan Tannehill to have to throw the ball to him or at least make him a receiving threat. I believe you brought up the point that he's not their true receiving threat, that that kind of lands more on the shoulders of Jonu Smith. So if that Pruitt dude is in and Mike Pettin wants to go a little bit heavier, that's a that's a perfectly viable option. What kind of runs does uh, Tennessee really like? And what are some runs that we're going to, have to watch out for, uh, particularly against this Packers defense that is much maligned by the fans for their run defense? Yeah, great question, man. Uh, they love inside zone and they love wide zone. Derrick Henry does a nice job of just kind of tucking his head in and getting the yards he needs until he can continue to churn and bust one. Another really interesting one we saw from them was what's called pin and pull, where you, you use like an outside tight end or an outside receiver to come down towards the line of scrimmage and hit the defensive end, and you actually bring those offensive linemen out to the outside so that you have a blocking advantage. And it essentially just uses really nice angles to pin the defensive linemen down and let the offensive linemen pull around so that they can get out on the edge and they can go block a nickel or a safety or a corner. And Derrick Henry is fast enough to get around the edge and follow that that lineman who's pulling, he's also violent enough to go ahead and initiate contact should that offensive lineman miss. So I'm a little concerned about that. The Titans D line has struggled a lot this year. Now they are missing Jadeveon Clowney at the end. We didn't see a lot of pressure 
from their D line on the quarterback. No, you're absolutely right. Not from a forefront. We didn't see a lot of pressure. Not not just the D line. If it's just the D line rushing, we didn't see a ton of pressure at all, which means unfortunately for Tennessee, they have to try to manufacture some pressure. They have to bring inside or outside linebackers. They have to try to bring a corner blitz or spin a safety down. And what that does obviously is take one more out of the coverage game. And if you're going to put the coverage at a disadvantage against Aaron Rodgers, it is a high risk, high reward game you're playing. Talk to me about the Titans uh, inside linebackers. Yeah, we were able to see um, some really good play from number 53, Will Compton, in the little bit that we got to see from him. He seems to have very good hips. Uh, He really likes to shoot gaps well in the run game. Uh, He's not your world beater coverage guy as far as inside linebackers go, but I thought we saw some solid play from him. Uh, At times, 51 and 54, my apologies, I forget their names. Uh, At times, they seem to be almost liabilities, especially in the zone running game that Green Bay likes to do. They seem to be a little bit slow to flow over to the top and stuff like that. So it might be kind of a big day for Green Bay on the ground. Hey, thanks for your Titans breakdown. I want to talk about a couple of Packers players, young guys that you are excited about. Let's start with running back A.J. Dillon. Yeah, I love this dude. Just a violent, tough dude. We were able to watch a little bit of film from him in the Buccaneers game. I know that's a a sore subject for Packer fans, but if you want to talk about how a young kid runs against a violent, aggressive defense, this kid brought his knuckles to the fist fight, man. It was awesome to see. He doesn't have a whole lot of fear. He's got a lot of trust in his offensive line. I thought he ran well. I thought I think he's going to be a star in the future. And if it keeps going that way, there are some exciting things that the Packers can get into scheme-wise with a player like that. So Aaron Jones may not be here next year, and potentially Jamal Williams might not as well. But talk to me about what you see the future of the Packers' run game looking like. Let's say they hold on to A.J. Dillon and Jamal Williams. Yeah, that's honestly a really exciting thing because now you have the ability to take two running backs that have proven their ability in a zone scheme, but also have that really kind of angry, tough-headedness to go downhill in a gap scheme. If you're going to pull guards or if you're going to lead with a fullback or something like that, where they have to be violent and aggressive to that first level. And then from there they can go on and be creative. So you've got two running backs that I'm sold on and AJ Dillon and Jamal Williams that will get through that first line and just go take a beating at first and then break through. Um, I don't always see that with Aaron Jones. I'm not saying I don't like the guy, but he's more of a true zone back. However, if you get A.J. Dillon and Jamal Williams, where you can run some zone and some gap schemes, and then the play action potential off of those two is enormous. All right. Inside linebacker has been a sore spot for Packers fans. Sure. And this year, Christian Kirksey has not really turned out the way we wanted. But, you know, we got a couple of young guys in Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin. Talk to me about what you've seen from them. Yeah, you bet. Uh, So just this last week, this last Saturday, when we were watching Green Bay play Carolina, Carolina tried to do a couple of different things on their offensive line with the run game. And this Kamal Martin kid was just shooting gaps. I mean, he is as downhill as you get. He's a very aggressive player. 
I just I love how physical he is. I love how fast and decisive he is. It's almost a reckless abandon that he plays the position with. It's like, I'm going to go in here as fast as I can. And somebody obviously told this man when he was coming up in high school or college, if you're going to be wrong, you better be wrong going fast. And that's how he plays the game. He sees the game well. He understands trap versus zone versus some of this stuff. I, I'm excited for him, man. He's a big kid. He's a sure tackler. When he gets his hands on you, you're done. So that part of his game is awesome and very exciting. But of course, on the flip side, that makes you a liability in the play action game. If you're going to be to the line of scrimmage that fast and that aggressively, you're leaving a pretty big window open behind you in play action. So it'll be really interesting to see how the Titans treat him uh, this upcoming week. All right. Give me your prediction for this Titans Packers matchup. I honestly agree with what a lot of uh, Packer fans are saying. I think Green Bay takes it, but I think it's a little closer than most would like, and I think there's a lot of points scored. I'm going 31-27 Green Bay. Coach, thank you so much for joining the Daily Cheese. Love to have you back here next week. As we wrap up our show today, I have some sad news. We just learned that Kevin Green has died. Green was a linebacker in D-end who played in the league for 15 years and then went on to be the outside linebackers coach for Green Bay under Dom Capers. In Super Bowl forty-five, you may remember Clay Matthews' critical forced fumble at the end of the game to seal the win for the Packers. His coach, Kevin Green, was the guy who pulled Clay off to the side and psyched him up saying, it is time, it is time, motivating Clay to go out and make that Super Bowl winning play. Obviously a key part of that Super Bowl team and a good guy, Kevin will be missed. That does it for today. For more in-depth analysis and a look at Packers strategy, make sure you're subscribed to the Packernet podcast hosted by the Pack Daddy, Ryan Schlipp. Keep up on all the Green Bay Packers news by going to Packernet.com and follow the Packernet podcast on Facebook. My name is JJ Leahy, and this has been The Daily Cheese, your Green Bay Packers news update.